Okay, we are closing up 1 John. Uh, today we, we start in on the conclusion, and I'll take another five weeks on the conclusion. Uh, not really. We will uh, wrap it up next week, though, in 1 John. And so we'll take uh, today as part one, and next week part two, and I've entitled this Booster Shots for God's Little Children. That's what the Apostle John comes to, finally. And uh, here's what it relates to. It's this. How's your confidence level? Where is it at? For instance, if I were to sit down at the piano and start playing and trying to sing, I would not be very confident. I don't have that confidence level. Thank the Lord for people that do have confidence level in playing piano or guitar or drums or keyboard. And it's the same in your, your line of work. Um, there's, there's people here that fly airplanes or, you know, uh, you know, people in the airplanes. And I'm thinking, I, I, I don't have that confidence level. Or driving an 18-wheeler in downtown L.A. traffic. I don't have that confidence level at all. Um, all sorts of things. Uh, I, I still remember my, our son, Sam, his tongue getting sewn up when he had bit through his tongue as a kid playing soccer and remembering that person that stitched up his tongue. I would have liked to have tried it with Sam. I might have gone with the lips. <laughs> Actually, it didn't need to get tied up to the lips because he couldn't talk. His tongue was all swollen up. Anyway, those, you know what I'm saying is these kind of areas that, you, you know, um, you look at and you say, I don't have confidence for that. And then the thing is you get into the church and you start looking around and you think, oh, I don't have the confidence of this Sunday school teacher or so-and-so. They've been a Christian since, you know, 1800s here. Um, so I don't have that confidence level. And so it, it keeps going around to that. And it's like, and then on, on top of it all, you're supposed to be humble. And so what's the preacher talking about confidence for? <laughs> I'm just a humble person, you know, wanting to have that attitude. Well, that's good. You know, we need to learn about humility. That's very important. And so here's this little tension, this tug of war going on in our lives. And we're saying, well, I, I'm supposed to be humble. And yet I'm supposed to, you know, have this confidence about my Christian life. Well, I, I really think that that's a result of the problem that John, the apostle, was dealing with, with these heresies that the people were facing. It kind of threw things into a loop for them. And so, we know what a booster shot is like. Uh, maybe you don't. I, I don't know. But we, we understand that idea that, you know, booster shots are like, here's an additional dose of vaccine given to boost up the immune system. And the idea is that the shot would stimulate rapid production, right, of, of uh, large amounts of antibodies in the body and thus be able to have, you know, this fight against any kind of infection or disease that, that wants to get into your system. Well, this is what John's trying to do. 
as he wraps up this letter, he's trying to give you a shot of confidence. And that's what we need. And, you know, in his time, his purpose for writing is clear. You know, he, and he's writing against these heresies that are saying that Christ really didn't have a, a real body or that he became the Christ at, at the baptism. Well, the thing is, folks, we deal with all sorts of stuff in our lives that just a little bit of persuasion gets us off track in following after Jesus Christ. And so we, we're in the same company then as these people that were receiving his little, his little epistle to get started with. Okay? So that's what, that's what John is trying to do in concluding his epistle. He's given some spiritual booster shots here. And it's for the purpose of you and I living in confidence in Christ. Confidence in Christ. Okay? So, we're going to take two of these confidence builders today. And next week, we'll look at the final two that we see as he wraps up this little, uh, very, very special letter testing believers where, the, you know, are they truly in Christ or not? Okay? So, he starts with this verse, 1 John 5.13. You can see it on the screen or look at your, your Bible. Okay, please, uh, uh, if, if you don't have a Bible, you know, we can help you get one. We'd like to do that. Okay, and uh, there might be one there in front of you in the pew, but uh, we want you to see it also on the screen. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Sounds like we've heard that before. Yes, we have. <laughs> He's coming off of that from verses 11 and 12, just previous, okay? And so, number one, if you're wanting to follow in the outline, is confidence for your eternal life. Confidence for your eternal life. And this breaks down into two things, two factors. Letter A, the quantity factor, or we could say the time factor. Well, the time factor isn't really a good uh, description because... You're talking about eternal life. And the time aspect has, has uh, shut off because <laughs> there's no clocks in eternity. <laughs> Isn't that good? But this, so this really still is the, the quantity factor. And we look at verse 13 and we, we think, you know, what comes to mind? And many times we, we are reminded of the world's most famous verse. What's the world's most famous verse? John 3.16. You see people walk around with a sign. John 3.16. They might not have any clue what it is. No, I'm just kidding. But, it, you know, you, sometimes you wonder. Do you know what John 3.16 is? Yes, in the beginning. God, no. <laughs> no. And, and why is it so special? Why is John 3.16 so special? Well, it's talking about living forever. That's all that matters now. It's like, that's okay. That, that's it. I'm good now. I'm good. Believe and you'll live forever. And a lot of times that's how it's explained. Just believe. Believe in whatever you want to. Yeah. 
And you, you make it up in your own mind. And you live forever. <laughs> but I know that's a stretch. I know that's an exaggeration. But, you know, we better be careful about how we think about it and how we relay it to other people. Because God wants to use you and I in relaying it to other people. Relaying what? Eternal life. But see, sometimes all we think about is eternal life. And that's, that's about what it's, you know, that's where it's at. But we've got to give them the gospel. What's the gospel? And, you know, we, in your bulletin, you know, there's some tools in your bulletin that talk about here's how you can come to know Christ as your Savior. And here's what matters most. And there, there's, so there's, you know, helpful things there in your bulletin even. But do we understand it? Do you understand it? Do you take the time to walk through it and remind yourself of it? Do you review it? And all too often, we think, hey, I got my ticket for eternal life, so I don't need to review it. What's the big deal? Well, there is a big deal. Because you and I get deceived. You and I get uh, you know, off track from the teachings of God's Word. These people did. Most of the letters in the New Testament are given for, here's correction. Okay? So, we like this idea of the idea of living forever. But have you, and think about this, have you ever given it thought? Like, living forever, forever I mean, are we just going to be kind of fluttering around in the, in the clouds, in, in the wild blue yonder with our wings and, and kind of floating around forever? And, and what do we do for forever? And sometimes, sometimes we Christians even get off track of what it's all about, what, what forever will all be about. It's because we end up entertaining our own ideas about eternity and we end up having wrong thinking about Jesus. You say, how did you make that connection? Well, this is an ongoing issue for every Christian. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, well, I'm not a Christian, but I came to church. Okay? We want to help you to see the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is not um, joining some church. The answer is Jesus Christ and faith in Him. And you have to understand that He came because of your sin. You need to repent of your sin. You need to acknowledge your sin and trust in God's gift of salvation and receive the gift of salvation. And then start growing in the things of God's Word. Now, most of you, we believe, you know, that's, that's what, here, here's what we're here for is to, you know, praise the Lord, worship the Lord, and grow in our faith. But sometimes our thinking can get off track and we've got to be pulled back on track to understand having confidence in eternal life. Now, these two kind of booster shots that we're going to look at today, this first one, confidence in, for your eternal life, and the next one, they're very basic in 
you know, for, for the one that's been around um, church for a long time and, and studying the Bible, they're basic things. But nonetheless, we still need to go through them because here they are in the Word of God. Okay? So letter A is dealing with the, the quantity factor. Okay? Now, there's more than just the quantity of eternal life. You, you, you know, the whole idea of this is uh, self-defining. It's self-defining. What's life? In this case, it's eternal. What's eternal? It's eternal. <laughs> it's forever. But sometimes, like I said before, it's like all of a sudden we can be thinking like, well, is that going to... Are we going to get bored? Are we going to get bored in, in heaven? Because we're living forever. Um, what's it going to be like? And so letter B brings in the quality factor. The quality factor. And really, this could be called the treasure factor because that's what it's about. It's about the treasure of eternal life. Jesus boldly defines eternal life in his great intercessory prayer found in John 17. Okay? There's John 17, verse 3. It says, and this is eternal life. Okay? So right there, you're, you're waiting, you're waiting. And then he says that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. There's his definition of eternal life. And why didn't he take the opportunity here to talk about forever and ever and ever? He didn't talk about that. What is he talking about in John 17? He's praying. This is his high priestly intercessory prayer for his disciples and all that would follow as disciples of Christ. And he's saying, eternal life is knowing God by knowing Jesus. And he speaks of himself in the third person there. He doesn't say me. He says and Jesus Christ, that you may know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And really, one answer to this is, he's making it crystal clear. He's God. And he's the way. So, my friend, if you're here, and you're, you're kind of, you've been brought up on, on earning your way to heaven and being a good person, this shows that your way, your Approach is wrong. It's wrong. It's through knowing Christ. You, you come to know God through knowing Christ. That's the idea why he came. Second Corinthians chapter 5 talks about being reconciled to God through Christ. Okay? So, yeah, he doesn't mention anything about the eternality aspect, he defines it as knowing. Knowing God is knowing Jesus Christ. Okay? It's not mere head knowledge. It's personal knowledge. It's intimate knowledge. And that's the idea of salvation. If you say you're saved, then a part of being saved is having an intimacy with Christ. Do you define that, or do you receive that definition in your own life now? 
Have you had that intimacy with Christ in your life? Do you have fellowship with Christ in your life? Or do you see it as, well, I have fellowship with people around church or the, the believers that I work with. Well, that's good. But you've got to have fellowship with Jesus Christ, intimacy with Him. My friend, you could very easily be deceived. Sitting right here, you could be deceived thinking that you're right with God and then at the end, when you face Him, He, he turns to you and says, Depart from me. I never knew you. Is that what you want said? No. Thus, you must be born again. You must have faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. This is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God. And here's how you can translate this verse. Instead of and... It says and in most translations. The, the Greek allows you to translate it even. With the word even. That they may know you, the only true God, even Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's the correlation because he is God. And that's what scripture continually points to. Jesus is God in the flesh. You need to come to know Him if you don't know Him already. Okay? Along with that is this verse in John. John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. There's love and obedience brought together. And that's what the, the Apostle John has been telling us in the, in the epistle of First John. Love and obedience. So, and my Father will love him and we will come to Him and make our abode or our home with Him. My friend, this is, again, getting at closeness, intimacy, fellowship with Christ. Okay? And uh, you can have a great... Uh, you can have a great record or, uh, you know, whatever your past has... And here's all that you can write out saying, here's what I've done in church. That doesn't matter when it comes to knowing eternal life. Do you have confidence in eternal life? So, please make this certain in your life. Do you know Jesus Christ? Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8. Paul chimes in on this also, and he points it out also in his writing, Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Okay? So, you have confidence in eternal life. Here's the quantity factor and the quality factor. We, if we're saying we're Christians, we thus need to be treasuring the Savior in our lives, in our thought life, in our conversation what we spend our time doing? Is it rejoicing in Him? Is it glorying in Him? Okay? Second confidence shot here. Second one on the back of your outline. We look at verse uh, 14. 
verse 14 and 15. Let's read it. Follow along. It says, and this is the confidence which we have before him. He turns right around and says it again. You can know that you have eternal life and the connector. And here is more confidence in verse 14, which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Okay? So point number two is confidence for your prayer life. Confidence for your prayer life. Having the assurance of eternal life then just right goes right into having a boldness in your prayer life. And many of you know that. Um, I, I can look at this passage, verse 14 and 15, and think, I, I'm not getting this like I think I ought to. I need to be growing more in my prayer life. Some of you, you are prayer warriors, and you have spent long hours praying, not just, you know, I mean, for in your life. You've been, you are pray, praying people, okay? That's what we need to grow in, is having a confidence in our prayer life. And, you know, we get big wide eyes when we see some verses like this in verse 14. And this is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. <laughs> but we forget the condition. That's letter A. According to God's will. It's according to God's will. It's not just whatever you can dream up. <laughs> but that's what we get to thinking. Okay? So once a person is set in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's an immediate eagerness to learn about the privilege of prayer. If something's, If you're not eager to be... Uh, learning more about the privilege of prayer, something's wrong in your life. Something's wrong. Because that's, that's the connection. You have confidence in eternal life, and here's confidence in your prayer life. But, it, it's, well, it's this thing of saying, I, because I'm right with the Lord through Jesus Christ, I have a father-son relationship with Him. And now he wants me, as his child, to learn to pray according to his will. Now, we're going to talk about that, praying according to his will. But you know what? If you aren't in the Word of God, you won't know what the will of God is. Young people. I, I've, been, I, I've seen it in the past. Young people, you're in high school, or you're out of high school, and you're saying, I... Um, I want to know God's will. I want to live for God in my life. And it's such a pivotal time in your life. If you're not careful, you're easily swayed away. Easily. Because the lure of the world. Because the, the, the old nature that's in you. It's very easy to get turned away. It doesn't take much. And so it's important that you learn to be in the Word so that you'll learn what His will is for your life. And this is a big, huge topic. You know, we, we could have a whole series on knowing the will of God. And the, the, I remember times of hearing that, you know, it's like the pastor 
in the church or the speaker at the college chapel. He knows the will of God for your life. And he's going to tell you. Young person, God's given the word of God so that you'll know the will of God. Okay? And the beautiful thing is, you know, he's given you liberty to go and pursue all sorts of different careers, uh, career options of all sorts. All that he says, all that it comes back to is saying, are you going to love me? Are you going to worship me? Are you going to devote yourself to me? Okay. So, confidence in your prayer life starts with being, praying according to his will. You've got to know the word of God and be growing in the word of God to know his will. Okay. Praying according to his will starts with searching the scriptures. Secondly, submitting to the Spirit of God. Um, mark down Romans. I didn't put it up on the screen, but Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. That's a great example of a verse of submitting to the Spirit of God in your life. And then, thus learning how to pray according to His will. So it starts with searching the Scriptures. By the way, and God never, we can say this, God never contradicts Himself. So, as you study the Word of God, the Word of God says it is the Word of God. Jesus affirms that it is the Word of God. So you be learning the Word of God so that you will discern the will of God. So, that's the first one, search in Scriptures. Second one, submit to the Spirit of God. Thirdly, counsel with godly people about decisions. Counsel with godly people. People that you look at and say they're mature in the Word of God. And they're mature in their faith. They've got wisdom because they've spent time with God. Okay? So, that's what we see in verse 14 and 15. But there's a problem, and James, he addresses it. Um, We're just going to go through this really quick. James tells us, and here's an example of not praying according to his will. He says, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. That's important, folks. Listen, that's important because it gets back to what? If you're truly his child, what does God want? What does he want in your life? He wants that. He's jealous for that intimacy. That's what he wants. That's why it says that there. And yet, what do I keep doing? What do you keep doing? We keep letting these little idols come in. And what does that do? It shows this is true of us. Are we friends with the world? But, don't you like that word? (laughs) But, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What a picture of prayer, right? Just draw near to God. And do it according to his will, okay? Now, letter B. In the outline, we're looking at verses 16 and 17 now. Verse 16 and 17. John wants us to have confidence in our prayer life, but it's got to be according to his w- God's will. And letter B, it's got to be according to loving our brothers. Loving our brothers. This is where it's really important that we, we get this. Because all too often we see the opposite. We see the, the contrast of this, not the, the agreement to this. Verse 16. If anyone sees his brother, notice what the qualifier is, sees his brother, a Christian. You see a fellow Christian brother or sister committing a sin, not leading to death. He shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing or unrighteousness is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Okay? So, this passage here, this section of the, the passage is dealing with loving our brothers. Remember what was the, one of the themes of John throughout the letter? You know, if you say you love your brother, you, you go meet his needs. Right? So he's coming back to it in conclusion. And he's dealing with this as here's a motive of our prayer life. Here again, John, he's repeating this theme. It's love for our brother or sister that causes us to respond in prayer for them, especially if we see them commit sin. This really shows why we need this like a booster shot in my Christian life. Because what's... We'll pick on me to start with. What's my natural response? When I see someone in sin... Because of me and the way I'm built, a lot of times I just start doing this, shaking my head. And what's that a a visual of? (laughs) I'm tending to lean towards judging them. Okay? Now, you might think, well, that's what a pastor should do is kind of shake his head and wag the finger, you know, at him. (laughs) No. That's not... You know, that's not what it should be about. The other thing that we can do, and let's let's admit to this, we can turn around and, and uh, gossip. We gossip. And what has happened now is we see someone in sin... And then we turn and gossip, and now the sin is what? The sin is what? Multiplied. So, now we've got a problem on our hands. Now I've jumped into sinning. And it's not that person's fault that I did what I did if I turned around and gossiped at them. It's not their fault. It's my fault. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. 
So, another helpful reminder here is before you speak to a brother about his sin, make sure you've prayed to God about your brother. This is very difficult. You agree? Is, it, is this a difficult one or not? Everyone, you know, I, I hear so much of, uh, of it from time, you know, it's like, you know, you, the, the first reaction is, well, don't judge me. Who do you think you are? <laughs> don't judge me. But this is why John weaves it the way he does here, is to demonstrate love for one another. Love for one another. And it starts with prayer. And what do we pray? We pray for restoration. That's 2BA slash A. <laughs> Didn't know how to say that in the outline. Sorry. It's for restoration. The idea that God gives these brothers life, that He really wants to deliver them from their sin. And He is the only one that can deliver them from their sin. I, I've told people before, I, I want to fix things. I want to just say the right stuff and then I fixed it. Praise the Lord. I can't do that. You can't do that. We can be as instruments in His hand to help someone else. But we, folks, we better be, you know, learning what the Word of God is so that we can give, here's the right stuff to give them. And it's not just old human wisdom, human rationale. We want to give them the Word of God because the Word of God is what is imperishable. Okay? So, we want to pray for... The restoration. Now, here's, here's where we get into some kind of interesting waters. See that? In verse 16, he brings up this idea of committing a sin not leading to death. He shall ask, and God will give him to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. Whoa, 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 whoa. How, do we, how are we to understand this? I thought because Adam and Eve sinned, God said, the day you sin, you will what? Well, there you go. Um, Why is John even bringing it up then? It's not even an issue. Because all sin leads to death. I'm not getting this. Why does he specify it out here? And so this is a, a, a bit of a challenge here. And John does not take the time to explain it in the passage. It's like, why? <laughs> How come? <laughs> but he doesn't... It seems to be, listen, it seems to be implying then that the readers must understand. The readers must get it. Which means we better study the context. Right? We've got to study the context. Context. Anytime there's a difficult passage in the Bible, you've got to remember what was before it and what follows it. What's the context? Okay? A simple discipline in Bible study principles. So it is with a difficult passage in the Bible, there are all sorts of interpretations to pick from. <laughs> is this the unforgivable sin? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and there's no forgiving it? And thus there's going to be death? Is this some unnamed, specific, uh, really, really, really bad sin? 
or what? I would believe that this is referring to the context, and that is, here's the problem of apostasy. Look at chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. Go back in 1 John, chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. He says, children, it is the last hour. Just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were really not of us. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of people that will... um, uh, There's some people that will will say, I've made profession of faith in Christ. Okay? They say they're a Christian. But something happens, and they end up saying, well, I'm out of here, and they they turn away. And this word is... is, um, Here's apostasy, that's this term that we use. There's a turning away from Christ. Now, I'm not saying a turning away from a church, from a local church. I'm not saying that. They're turning away from Christ. And that's the problem that we, we, we believe is here. There's many examples. There's numerous scriptural examples of people dying because of sin. Moses was one. Remember? Okay? Nadab and Abihu, they died because of their sin. Um, Achan, Achan went in at, at, the, at, um, at Jericho, right? And uh, he stole something there and went and hid it. He, he was punished with death. In the New Testament, there's Ananias and Sapphira. They walked in. Everything is fine. They're giving a, an offering but it was made to look like it was something more than it really was. God's Spirit brought about their end to earthly life. <laughs> There's also a section, I want you to look this up really quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting in verse 27, this is just finished with the, uh, the, the instructions regarding the Lord's Supper. In verse 27 says, Therefore, because of what's been said, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. He who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself. If he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep or die. Okay? Now, that's a part of what God decides, God judges as time for discipline that needs to be administered by God. Okay? So. Do you think, then, it's a light thing when we see someone sinning? What does John tell us? And moms and dads, we need to be helping our children understand the the importance of the fear of the Lord. 
And all too often in Christianity in the United States, it's just really Christianity light. It's just all about, you know, uh, I, I know I'm throwing a big old generalized blanket out on it all. But there's, there's too much of a lightness, almost a frivolous kind of a approach to our faith, to growing in, in the Lord and to fearing the Lord. It relates to my prayer life. How am I praying really? What characterizes my prayer life? Do I show up to the errand boy God and say, come on, I, I need this. Again, that's an exaggeration. That's an extreme. But we need to be praying according to His will, praying according to brotherly love for restoration. And then the other little sub-point in the outline, the final one is for righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. Verse 17, all wrongdoing or all unrighteousness is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Basically showing here's the opportunity for compassion. Here's the opportunity for helping. Here's the opportunity. Because the one who has really apostatized, if we say it that way, has turned his heart and his will against God, against the message of the cross. That's why he's saying, you don't need to go praying for them. Why? Because their heart is turned against the things of God. And so it's, it's thus critical that you and I, if we're saying we're Christians, we need to have a soft heart before God. And how do you have a soft heart before God? Is to have intimate fellowship with Him. See, we want to put things into a box. We want to just snap it together and, and boom, there it is and I'm set for life. <laughs> I got my insurance. I got my ticket to heaven. See, God wants to bring about sanctification in His children's lives. And that's why we end with the prayer for righteousness. Here's a prayer for restoration, but here's prayer for righteousness. Okay? It gets back to intercessory prayer. What is my prayer life really like? Would you mark these passages down? And we're going to close it up here very quickly. But these are passages that I want to encourage you to learn to pray over. Take these passages and start praying them. Psalm chapter 1. Start praying Psalm chapter 1 to, to God for yourself and for those that you love and those that you know. Start praying about Psalm chapter 1. And here's the, the string of pearls in Ephesians Philippians and Colossians, Ephesians chapter 1, 16 through 19. Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. Take that passage and start learning it and start praying it over for those that you love, those that you know, and you want to pray for them. Uh, Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Take that passage, same thing. Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 14. That there is a small um, pocket full of prayers waiting for you to join in with those truths. 
All too often, my prayer life is built more upon, you know, the, the whole idea of, oh, dear Lord, please bless them all. That's, that's kind of a shortcut in prayer. I need to stop asking, God, bless all the missionaries in the world. <laughs> bless all the people at Parkside. <laughs> Get specific. Get scripturally specific. Yes? Okay? God hears you. Yeah? That's great. God hears you according to his will and according to loving others, other Christians. So ask yourself, ask your, your, your spouse, what do you think, you know, what, what characterizes your prayer life? We'll close with this thought. It's a quote, Samuel Chadwick. Samuel Chadwick said this. One chief concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing. He fears nothing from prayerless studies. He fears nothing from prayerless work. He fears nothing from prayerless religion or devotion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom. But he trembles when we pray. Okay? My Christian friend, do you have a confidence about eternal life? That it's not just about, you know, oh, eternity, eternity. It's about Jesus. So right now in our lives, right now, is there that closeness with Jesus in your life? And is there confidence in prayer? Let's stand together and close in a word of prayer. Would you just bow your heads and let the words of Psalm 37, verse 4, Psalm 37, verse 4, help us as we close in prayer, where the psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Lord, help us to grow in Christ's confidence Help us, Lord, to uh, be regularly taking in the, the truths of your word so that we would have that assurance of eternal life and that we would have great boldness in coming before your throne as a child of the King. Help us, Lord, to treasure the Lord Jesus higher and greater than anything else. Forgive us, Lord. We dabble way too much in the things of the world. Cause us to turn. Cause us to bow before you and live our lives for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.